Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features doodler extraordinaire, Ian Glavender. Ian shares the tough truths of navigating the art world and working with big brands. He's created product designs for companies such as Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and so many more household names. The guy knows how to negotiate his way through an illustration deal in order to create a great product and experience for both the artist and customer. He's a no bullshit kind of guy, (laughs) which I like and appreciate. We talk about how to determine if you should take a flat fee or percentage deal on a licensing agreement. That's the number one question I get a lot of the time. Just to give you it straight, we agreed that a flat fee is typically a better deal unless the customer has some reach in order to make big quantity sales. Anyway, listen to hear all about licensing and that whole bit. But we talk about how to determine if you should take a job or pass it up. Although the conversation went a variety of different ways with different circumstances, the consensus seemed to be that if you think the job is worth it, no matter what the pay, then it is. You know, that's the fun of being your own boss and creating job opportunities that we get to say yes or no to. We can do whatever we want. And if you think it's worth it, it probably is. What's worth it to me might not be worth it to you. And that's the fun of it. But listen to hear all about that and how Ian is doing exactly whatever he wants with his illustration career. So Ian, tell us all about who you are and what you do. Hi, my name is Ian Glaubinger. I am an illustrator designer. I live in New Jersey. I currently work full-time for a company called The Roosevelt's. You may have, they're like wacky all over patterns for licensed and unlicensed things. You've maybe seen it as abbreviated ESLTS. And some people think it's results, but it's The Roosevelt's. I work full-time for them. I've been doing that for almost two years now. Before that, I was full-time freelance for about five, six years. And then before that, I was doing web design for a company in Staten Island. I will just come out and say it. That was It was soul-sucking, but at least it was in the arts, sort of. It was doing like e-commerce design. I was just doing the designing, the, I guess what you call front-end, no coding or anything like that. I would literally draw pictures and then send it to the technical people and they would make it work. I had a general understanding, but everyone's got a mortgage to pay. That's the, those are the rules, some form of a mortgage or not. But what people know me for typically is for a while I was, and I still do as a screen print artist or a limited edition poster artist doing retro inspired designs. I make things that I like, whether that be like cult pop culture from the eighties, into kind of mid-century modern designs. I've specialized in limited edition screen prints, posters. I've done, even before Roosevelt, I was doing apparel and toy design. And then I know this is to talk about how to become a working artist, but the main reason I work at Roosevelt was actually for a logistical reason, which was I was freelance and my wife had a full-time job and she had the insurance for the family and it was very good, but she needed to leave that job for one reason or another. And it basically became a contest of who can find a job first to get insurance for the family. And Roosevelt's was one of my longest standing freelance clients. And I had reached out to my contact who happened to be the boss and told him the situation. And I said, if you bring me on, or can you bring me on because I need insurance for my wife, myself, and my young son. And he said, okay, but you're not going to just be doing drawing cartoons. And I said, whatever you need me to do, I will do it. 
And that's where it went from there. And it's, you know, I've progressed from doing pattern design and they brought me in as what's called the production designer. So I would help take all the mock-ups or take the patterns and put them into mock-ups of shirts. And so we can send them off for license approval or almost like factory schematics. We call them submissions and tech packs and things like that. So I was helping with that. And now I've moved along into art directing collections, whether it's collections I've done work for or just working with other outside artists or in-house artists to create these patterns for upcoming collections. That's where I'm at now. It was a long journey to get where I'm 41. So it was a, a lot of hard work. You had mentioned before, is there anything that I do that I could convey to up and coming artists who want to try and get a job in this? In this? And I, I don't have a pretty answer for that. And it's just work your ass off. I know I've jumped ahead a little bit, but I have ability. Sure. Maybe I, I put myself down because that's what a lot of artists do or self-deprecating, or at least I am. But my wife and everyone around me says, Ian, just shut up. You have ability. You, you got there, but it's with a lot of hard work. Yeah, there's some luck. Right place, right time, meet the right people, things like that. And projects go from there. But everyone asks, how do you get there? And it's just draw, draw, whatever, or whatever your medium may be. So true. Okay. So tell me more about you went freelance and now you're working for a company. The first thing I think of when I think of that is, wow, it must feel so freeing to not have to go out and get customers and get referrals and market yourself all the time. And just like you have, you work for somebody. So you have that set schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Or tell me more about that. So it's a double-edged sword for me. Yes. I love the steady paycheck. And I'm fortunate the work that I get to do with a company like Roosevelt's is truly awesome. As someone born in 1982, I even like things that are older than that, obviously based on the style of design that I like to do. But Ninja Turtles and Godzilla, Nickelodeon and Mickey Mouse. And I've worked on so many licenses through Roosevelt's. Yes, I worked on a lot of licenses when I was freelance too, but it just seems like it's never ending. But to answer your question, the steady workflow, and it's awesome. Yes, when I was freelance, I had to do what everyone did, which was chase people down for to pay an invoice or to follow up. Uh, I'm a very organized, kind of methodical person. I love what I do for work. It is work, and there are times when it can cross over and become tedious. But there are a lot of things I do miss about freelance, but there's also a lot of things I don't miss about being freelance now that I have this position. But that's specific to my lifestyle. I'd want to add that I have a wife and and a child and I have to be responsible for that. And I was married with a child and freelance. So it did work. It maybe even helped me be more involved. Now, I work strictly from home and I'm very involved with my child and things like that. But when I was freelance, I had a bit more mobility and my schedule was flexible. But you're always working. Again, I'm not saying anything new here. A lot of artists, when they do this, they can't stop working. I'm fortunate that in the house where I live, the third floor was an attic that was converted into a living space. And that's where I am right now. If I'm not here, I'm not working. I don't have a tablet. I have a laptop for work, but I don't have the ability to draw on it. And that's strictly for work. When I'm not in my office, I don't work. So I don't work on a tablet, on the couch, like you see a lot of artists. So unless I'm in here, I'm not working. So there's that very distinct distinction, whether it was freelance or whether it was working with Roosevelt's now. 
if I'm not here. Yeah, I have the phone and I can message everyone, but I really make an effort to keep them separated. But you're an artist of this. You can't turn it off, even if it's just walking anywhere. And in your case, a mural, but like I go to Target and I'll see a pair of socks that I love the colors. I literally take a photo of that. We can't turn it off. I'm trying to come up with poster ideas to do for freelance for myself. And I was talking to my wife on the couch literally last night, and we were just brainstorming about silly, fun things to do for myself. My wife also happens to be an artist too, and she's someone I, I do trust. It's not like when you show your picture to your mother or to a friend and they just go, oh, that's cool. Keep No, I want someone to tell me if it's bad or give me good advice in that sense. Going way back, I do have a lot of flexibility in the job that I work at full-time. Technically, I'm working right now. This is basically my lunch break that I'm taking to do this. But I, there's a lot of flexibility and there's a lot of trust that my superiors and my company have given to me and they just let me run with it and they give me the work and then I go. Now, I'm a special case where they want people in the office, but they said, Ian, we know you have a young kid, so it's a little different. So I do go into the office when I can find coverage and everything for my kid, but it's just me in my office, either sitting in silence or music or a movie or TV, whatever's playing. Freelance is not for everyone. And in the same token, working from home is not for everyone. And I'm sure everyone got a taste of that during the height of the pandemic. I work well unsupervised. And for someone who doesn't, that's not bad. It's just how you're wired. Some people need that person right over their shoulder to make sure they stay on top of it. I work fast. And not to sound like a grouch, I worked in an office for many years when I did that web design company. In, or it was a tech company that I did web design for. I hated so many of my coworkers and for really petty and trivial things like the way they slam their keyboard or chew their gum or breathe or just they're annoying. Like you'll find it in, in a lot of work, people, you wait, you want me to do my job? Oh God. And that's very annoying to me. So I think I may be good by myself because I'm a very annoying, irritable person. So maybe me working at home in the quiet of my own home is a nice thing. But I do miss that camaraderie. And so I go into the office or I do comic book conventions, you know, on the side during the weekends and I get to hang out with people. I do what works for me. It doesn't work for everyone. So what exactly do you do? Because I'm not super familiar with the illustration world, but I see that you've worked with companies like Nick and Disney and Pixar. And I'm like, cool. Wait, what do you do exactly? Do you design cartoons or backgrounds or? Good question. No, I don't do that. I've worked with all of these companies either directly with them or through a company that has a third party license. So when I was freelance, what I was often doing was making limited edition posters, sometimes designing toys, sometimes designing apparel. But it's never, oh, I've designed a Star Wars poster. Oh my God, did you do for the movie? Uh, it's not, no. Do you know George Lucas? No, I, I don't know. I, I don't know him. So there are companies that have a third party license for, let's use the example like Star Wars. So when you walk into Target and there is a t-shirt uh, and it's got Luke Skywalker, or it's got Kylo Ren, or it's got whoever. There's not a t-shirt factory in Northern California, in Marin County, or now in Disney, whatever. There's not a t-shirt factory in San Francisco or wherever Lucasfilm is headquartered making t-shirts. The way it works is they will sell their license to a third-party company 
and let's just make up a name. Let's it's Steve's Apparel. That's what it's called. Steve's Apparel wants to make a line of Star Wars shirts. Their marketing team or their licensing team can purchase a license from Lucasfilm. And then they have the ability to make apparel, toys, video, whatever it may be, whatever their product is, and then they'll make them. So they have a shirt. They want to do a line of shirts. Maybe this Steve's Apparel has in-house artists. Maybe they don't. So a lot of the companies that I work with don't have a lot of in-house artists. And then they go, hey, we want to make a Star Wars t-shirt. Can you design it? I'm working with Steve, who I'll do the design, I'll do the concepts, and we'll say it's a t-shirt or it's a poster, but let's use the t-shirt one because that's something people are more familiar with than say a store like Target. I'll do the concept designs. I send it to Steve, and then Steve sends it to Lucasfilm approvals. And then they'll come back with whether it's approved. They'll send, Lucasfilm will then come back and send notes, whether change this, do this, or completely canceling it, or saying, this is great, let's move forward. And then I'll go further, I'll complete it, and then I'll send it back to Steve. And then Steve, they may have notes internally too, like this is in the direction we're going for, et cetera. If they're good, then they send it back to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm gives it their approval, they need more changes, and it's this back and forth until it's done. And when it's done, Lucasfilm goes, all right, we're good, you can sign off on this. I don't know the nitty gritty of their licensing deal, which could be maybe they have to make X amount, they have to make X amount of money. doesn't matter. That's not my side of the business. They hired me as a freelancer to make a piece of art, and then they want to put that art on a t-shirt, a poster, a toy, something on social media, whatever it may be. They hire me, and then I create it. So no, I'm not working on the movies. I'm not making cartoons. I'm not painting beautiful backgrounds for these things. I'm usually making limited edition, whether it's small batch, large batch, or one-offs, and doing things like that. And I've done that for all of the companies. When people ask, who do I work for or what do I do? My answer is always a paraphrase. There was the actor Simon Pegg. There was an interview with him, the guy from Shaun of the Dead and the Star Trek movies. Huge. I love him. There was an interview and he said, Hollywood in general is in the business of keeping grown men in a state of arrested development. And it's true. That's the business, but I work in the business of keeping grown men in a state of arrested development, you know, making money off of all of the nostalgia that we grew up with. That's what I work on. So whether it's that I could look around my office, whether it's Marvel, Disney, Universal, Warner Brothers, Star Wars, Lucasfilm, which I know is the same thing, just looking all around, just all of it. Video games. I've worked with the NFL, the National Hockey League. I've worked with them all. But some of them I work directly with the entity, but the majority is working with companies that have the license. And the majority of my work was started from doing limited edition screen print posters for galleries or shops that have the license. Or companies that I started off way, way long ago was a company called Acme Archives, and they had the Lucasfilm license, and they hired me to do limited edition screen prints that were fully licensed. That was the bulk of it. Now, I there's probably people listening to this going, yeah, but how do you... I can't get a job with Lucasfilm. Neither could I. I did so much, and it's fan art. I did so much fan art, whether it was for myself. I'm in New Jersey, so I was part of this group, this Philadelphia art group, where we would have themed shows. And then there was a comic book shop in downtown Philly, Old City, where we'd have a theme, whether it was 80s or, or Watchmen, and I'm trying to think, or video games. And then they hung it up on in like the entryway of the comic book shop. It was in the front of a building. And from there, a gallery 
in Los Angeles that I was familiar called Gallery 1988 said, hey, we saw your thing. Can we put your thing in our thing? And then it just went. And I was already a fan of them. And they took a Contra print that I did, like the old 80s Nintendo video game Contra. And they did a new print run of it. They sold it there. And they said, okay, how do I do more? And it's of like upcoming group shows. And it went from group shows to like small group shows to like two-man shows that I did with them doing all unlicensed fan art is good. Don't demean it. Anyone who says that it's... No, I don't care. That's how I have the job and the house and everything that I have is by drawing cartoons of Ninja Turtles and Back to the Future of licenses I didn't own. And eventually from doing work at Gallery 1988, Acme Archives saw that because they were in California. So they go to these places, these galleries and look, there's one. Oh, let's call that. So they literally went into the gallery and said, who did that? And they said, oh, we'll give you his information. And they emailed me and said, hi, I'm so-and-so from Acme Archives. We saw your work at Gallery 1988. Let's work together. And it turned into, I did one poster for them that didn't go anywhere, but it was a stepping stone into, I did the Lucasfilm, the Star Wars posters to them. And then work begets work. I would do more. And I'd still, to this day, do fan art, do unlicensed stuff. I know in my head what works and what doesn't and who to stay away from. And even, you know, tricky things like, oh, you can walk a fine line of how to do unlicensed fan art and what not to include and what to include. And everyone's more comfortable or less comfortable depending on what it is. It just, everything is everyone's own specific path. There are artists that I'm so jealous of that I don't get that they can do very touchy, unlicensed fan art and go, oh my God, I would never do that. I feel like I would get in so much trouble. And then they do it. And then they get jobs for those companies. So then I'm like, you know what, maybe I'll try it. And then nothing happens. So it's, who knows? I've had contacts with companies where they're like, we're going to work together. And then you never hear from them. So it's tricky, but I can make a living doing this. And to say that you make a living as an artist, and I do pretty well, which is still like, when am I going to wake up? And it's wild that in the end, people pay me to draw cartoons. I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. Okay, just on this subject, because I get this question a lot of people wanting murals of Disney characters and how close can we get without getting in trouble, whatnot. What, what is your opinion on that? So say, say I was asked to do a Disney princess castle with all the Disney princesses for somebody. Can I do that? Or how do I change it? Like in, in your opinion? In my opinion, I guess it would depend on project to project. Let's say in your case, someone hired me. Oh, we want a mural. We want a huge mural. And I say, I don't paint, but I can design it. You know, I could draw it digitally, huge. And then they can have it printed up as a banner or they can take someone, they can take my art. And I know that a muralist can then translate that to a painting. So let's say that's the case. Someone says, Ian, we want to do a giant mural with Disney characters. And I go, one, no. I wouldn't do that because a mural is physically, and I know it's tough, a mural is physically huge. And if it's on the side of a building and I'm drawing giant Disney princesses, I feel like that could get someone's attention. And if you've done that, there is no judgment for you to have done that. It's just my personal opinion. If they went, if so if the conversation went, well, okay, but we want you to do something. And I go, okay, I could do like a magical castle that's adjacent to a Disney castle, but I don't feel comfortable putting exact versions of Moana 
and Sleeping Beauty and whoever, because I feel like that's asking for it, especially if it's a huge mural that is going to take a lot of time and paint and energy and it goes up and then all of a sudden someone says, that's got to come down. So if it was a small print or it was a commission, if someone said, oh, I want to do a thing with the castle and all the Disney princesses and I go, okay, what are we doing with this? I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. No, I want to make a, I want a one-off print for our house. Okay, I could do that. That's just a one-off drawing. I want to do a large print run. No, I can't do that. So okay. it's my personal preference, but there's also no judgment to anyone who does do that because I don't know anyone personally, but I, I know lots of people who do that. Like you do what you're comfortable with. You know the risks of doing unlicensed stuff. For the most part, they're okay with it. Like when you go to any comic book convention, it's just a sea of unlicensed fan art. And some of it, and I know there's like a, a stigma with fan art, like it's crap. You know, oh my God, that's terrible. That's like what I drew on my binder in high school or whatever. Fan art, doesn't matter how good or bad or amateurish or professional it is, if it's unlicensed of a, an existing IP, it's fan art. But if you go to a comic book convention, it's all it's 90% unlicensed fan art. So people have been getting away with it and will get away with it for a long time. You know, when they say, oh, Disney comes down hard on people, not plenty of companies come down hard on people. And they're very protective. And we can go down a list of my experiences of what companies are harder on others. And then... I would like to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. I, off the top of my head, Godzilla, Toho is very protective of their IP. Yes, Disney okay. is very protective, but there's certain things that you can do. Don't draw these characters doing unsavory things. Don't portray these characters in a mm -hmm. terrible light. There are tons of cases where people have drawn these characters on their own, unlicensed, and Disney has gone... Stop selling that, sell it for a, let's do a deal. I can yeah. tell you firsthand, I guess it's secondhand, the company I work for, Roosevelt's. So we do licensed apparel for every single major company. And if we don't, I'm sure we'll do it at one point. But we do Disney, just as an example. But when they first started out, they were doing kind of lifestyle inspired shirts, but eventually they started doing fan art. Their first thing they did was, you know, the movie The Sandlot. They did shirts with their own original artwork of the characters from Sandlot, but it was unlicensed and it had the dog and the lifeguard, Wendy Peppercorn, whatever characters were on the shirts, but they were unlicensed and they were releasing them. They were a very small company and it got some, it went viral or it got some social media presence and people were seeing this more and more. And then 20th Century Fox saw it, it's their property and they sent them a C and D. And I don't know the very specifics. I don't know if they said you got to destroy all these shirts or... But what it ended up turning into was this C&D turned into a license agreement. They said, don't destroy them. Let's make these licensed and legit. And it went through an approval process. And literally the two co-owners of the company, Steve and John, went to the warehouse. They bought a stamp. Like you can get a custom stamp with the 20th Century Fox legal line and went in and stamped every single shirt on the inside neck collar on the little printed label. And then that turned into the empire that I don't want to say empire, but the company that they are today is that they started out doing fan art and then it turned into licensed work. And now I can't even tell you how much like it feels so cool to be a part of it. It's not me. It's not my company, but it feels nice to be a part of it, getting to work on all this. But so that's an example of a company doing fan art and then it turning into a licensed thing. So you ask about a mural. Would I do it personally? No. 
So the main thing that we get asked for is kids' rooms. Like moms want their little girls to have princesses, princesses or yeah. whatever. To me, that would be okay because it's in someone's house. You always hear, if you watch any movies or, or sporting events, you always hear, this is express written consent legal property of the Major League Baseball and you can't duplicate it. And it's because they don't want you to broadcast it and duplicate it out into the world. But it's like, in the comfort of your own home, I feel like it's a little different. And, and mm-hmm. if not, it's completely stealing and or it's complete theft, et cetera, et cetera. But within someone's house, I think it's okay. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I follow this one Facebook page and this artist does them all the time and they look so great. And I'm like, I always like look at that. I'm like, that's so cool. I want to do that. But I'm so scared of her yeah. getting caught. And But is she, from my knowledge, she keeps doing them and she hasn't. And I love that that perspective on it, that you, it actually, something good could come of it. So I had like a pipe dream when I was younger of to paint for Disney, just because I love Disney. That's what every kid wants to do. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So you're saying that if I really wanted to take that seriously, I would paint a bunch of Disney things, maybe tag them in some way and just, yeah. (laughs) And the further along you go in doing this career, I have friends who either work there or work with them third party like I used to. And you could say, hey, can I get their email? Or, hey, can you forward them my email with a few pieces of work? And you know what the worst they do is? Don't reply. Yeah. You can try. It never hurts. I get to draw Ninja Turtles. That's my favorite thing in the world. I get to draw them. I get to meet the co-creators. I get to do that. You know, and that came from fan art. What more could I ask for? That's not everyone's path. But I've a lot of the artists that I know, that is the path they took. And maybe I saw that and used that as my basis. And it seems to have worked. No, it absolutely worked. I can't say it like yeah. that. It absolutely worked. It seems like it's worked. going well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I love this perspective. It also gives me something to tell people as well. I mean, there are no rules for this. But like I said, this is one of the number one questions that I get because people ask this all the time. So... Okay, so say somebody wanted you to do an, an illustration for them. What is the process like? Do you do a rough sketch first? Like, what kinds of questions do you ask them? Like, what is it from point one? Okay, so I will give you a very specific example. I was hired right. this, and this was freelance. This was in the middle of October. I know I had a booth at New York Comic Con, and I got an email on my phone, and it said it was something like beer festival logo needed. Every time you get any type of inquiry, grain of salt, because who knows? It could be a kid. I want this person. I saw your stuff online, but I won't get up on a tangent. This was legit. They emailed me. They said they were from the Cure Insurance Arena. And I went, that sounds familiar. They said, our art director met you when you did a show. He got your business card. You did something called the Trenton Punk Rock Flea Market. It's like a craft festival, but I saw my work there. And they said, the art director got your business card, and we wanted to know if you would help us design the logo for our upcoming beer festival. And so my response was, cool, I remember that. I need some information from you. That is number one, what are you paying? Number two, deadline. Number three, can you tell me a little bit about the project? Because I'm in a position as a old man with job, I don't take on every project because I don't need to, because I have a full-time job and a toddler that knows no bounds. So I could be very selective. So they wrote back, I don't have a problem 
talking numbers. I know it's very taboo, but that's stupid because if artists all knew the numbers, then they could fight the really cheap clients who were like, I'm going to pay you in hot dog money. I can't <laughs> live off of that. So they said compensation is like, four, I think it was $400. And my re- reaction to that was go fudge yourself. Like <laughs> that's just where I stand. So, and then they told me the turnaround time. They told me a little bit more about the project and it was called the Red, White and Brew Festival. Oh, and something also to be very specific about is, okay, you contacted me, Ian Glaubinger. Do you know what I do? If someone contacted you and said, hey, I need a photorealistic of cars of 1960 Chevys. And you go, do you know what I do? I don't do that. So that's another thing like, hey, this is my website. Like, I do 1950s, mid-century, modern, Hanna-Barbera style cartoon. You know that, right? Okay. Okay. You do know that. So told me a little bit about the project, the deadline, and the, the compensation. I wrote, and literally it was, thanks for the follow-up. Unfortunately, that's far below my budget. I like the idea of it, the turnaround time. It's just not something I can do for that budget. And sometimes I include what I want, and then sometimes I don't. Maybe I wait for them to come back. But for this, I like the idea because I like doing local things and I like the idea of what they, the design that they they were doing or the design they wanted to do. And so I said, I could do this for a thousand, thinking there's no way. There's no way that they'll say yes, but couldn't hurt because it sounds like a cool project. They would slap the logo. The logo would be everywhere at this big arena. It would be on t-shirts and mugs and tote bags and all the broadcasting would be a big banner of it. And I was like, that sounds cool. I want to do that. So let me just take my shot. They're like, okay, we have a lot of other artists that we're looking at. No, you don't. You're lying. You probably have two or one. That's it. But that's what they say. They're all car salesmen. So they wrote, look, let me do you a very quick pencil sketch. And when I mean I am quick, and I did a quick pencil sketch on the computer, probably 20 minutes that it took me to do. And I sent it to him. I said, look, here's what I had in mind for your thing. And I sent them a really low res, whatever, like really crappy. So that if they, even if they steal it, they still have to do all the work themselves. So, oh, this is great. Blah, blah, blah. Next day. Okay. And they're going to give you the thousand. So they were lying. You, I, for me personally, I always say, what's your budget? Because if maybe I would say I'd come in at a thousand and they would in their heads are like, oh, what a dummy. We were going to give out two grand for this. But now we don't have to because he only wants a thousand or it works. We were only going to give out 250 and they said he'll do it for a hundred. So depending on your level and it's whatever you're comfortable with as the artist, it's whatever you're comfortable with taking. Now it's not just the drawing, you know, they may put it on 500 different verticals, a shirt, a hat, a frisbee or whatever. You have to keep that in mind. They're like, they're going to sell this. They're going to make money off of your work. So they were going to put it on a shirt, a hat a tote bag. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be on social media. It's going to be a big banner. $400. How much does it cost to get into this beer fest? $50. Oh, so you mean to tell me that 50? Oh, so (laughs) eight people walk in the door, they paid for me. Eight people? Give me $1,000, which is far too low. It's still too low, but I'm okay with $1,000. Who doesn't want to write on their little thing? Ooh, I made a thousand bucks for drawing a little logo. Like, I'm okay with that. So it went back. So the process went to answer your 
question because I told you I go off the rails. Okay, we're good. We're agreed. And I say, I want to get paid right before I send you the final file. I'm not doing it unless that's that. So I'll send it to them, but you're getting this. You're not getting the big high res in whatever formats they want. I sent them one pencil sketch because that's what we agreed to because they already liked the pencil sketch that I did. And I said, I was thinking of doing muted red, white, and blues. Do you have any thoughts? What's your input? Some clients are more hands-on, some are hands-off. When I told them my idea, which was I wanted to have Washington crossing, and I'll show the logo at the end. I wanted Washington crossing the Delaware on a beer can. So it's this cartoon 50s Washington standing on a giant beer can with like waves of water and then a circle around it. And it says red, white, and brew fest. That's it. I said, what text needs to go on it? Does it need to say trend? Does it need to say a year? I get all that information up front. I gather as much information as possible. I'll send them a quick pencil sketch or I send them a quick pencil sketch. Then I'll do a more rendered one and I go from there and they give me their feedback. And for them, their feedback was very little. I said, okay, I'm going to move on to the colors. And I moved on to the colors and I gave them a few different options like here it is with the red circle, the blue circle, but really not much more work than me just selecting a shape and changing the color. Easy stuff. So it worked back and forth like that. This was a very easy client. There are clients where there's so many versions and it's just like, why did I agree to this? This sucks. I hate this. But then there are, there are clients that are pretty easy because I'm in the fortunate position. I can pick and choose. I can be pretty picky when it comes to projects because I have a full-time income. You can read clients after a while. Even when they first email you, I literally got an email yesterday from Tops, T-O-P-S, the baseball people. And I know this because I have experience. So like, hi, we're doing a collection of baseball cards for, it's probably like Star Wars or something, but I know this scam. And it's not a scam as much as it is a huge ripoff slave wage labor. They want someone to do 15 sketch cards, little baseball cards, fully rendered drawings, and they want to pay you like $10 per card and they need it in a month and a half and your compensation is $10 and you get to keep like one. So they wanted 15 cards and two. And so I said, no, thanks. Good luck. Maybe we can work together in the future. Just being nice. That's just how I am. They wrote back, oh, we'd love that. And I went, just for argument's sake, what is your compensation? And they said, oh, it's based on what works for the artist and what works. No, you're lying. Just I know what it is. It's between 10 and $15 each. So that's 15 fully rendered little illustrations on cards for $150 in two months. That's extortion. <laughs> so I knew because I've been doing this for a while and I know artists who have done that. I'm like, what? That's insane. I'd rather just do my own drawings, do 15 of my own drawings, throw them up in my online shop and say, these are 40 bucks each. Guess who keeps all of the money? I do. Yeah. But I have a reach and I know not everyone does that. Now, if there's an artist right out of high school or college and they get asked to do this and they're comfortable with that, do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not at that point in my career where I don't need to do it, but I know that it's extortion. Did I do extortion like projects when I was much younger? Absolutely. I did a poster for a band when I was much younger. Do you know what the compensation was? Here's tickets. The poster shit. I look back now, it's garbage, but I wanted to do it so badly. So you do what you're comfortable with, what you're okay with. It's the same as going to a casino. You go into a casino and you gamble what you're okay losing. That's it. Do you want to do this project? Is it a terrible paying gig? Yeah. But do you really want to do it? Then do it. If it makes you happy, then do it. As long as it doesn't 
stop you from paying the bills or you're going to get kicked out. Don't take the free gig or the almost free gig when you've got to pay your rent and you have no money. I love your bluntness. <laughs> I just, like, that's stupid. They're lying. I love it all. They I'm are. Just they're, they're li- the, oh, we have a bunch of artists, which means they're just <laughs> waiting to see which artist is either giving them the lowest price or they're lying and they're forcing you into going, oh yeah, I'll do it for that small amount of money. Yeah, whatever you need. Come on, they're lying. They're absolutely <laughs> lying. Just as you're lying when you're like, I don't know, I'm busy. Like you're testing the water. <laughs> We're on, it's this, who's going to budge first? Who, who's going who's gonna to give in first? But like the money thing, it stinks. There are a few artists that I'm very close with as people and as artists, and we will openly talk money. And I will be blunt. When I first got this email about the logo, I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool thing. I'll email them after I get back in this convention. And my friend said, how much do you think you're going to ask for? And I was like, I don't know, like 500 bucks or something. He's like, don't ask for 500 bucks, you idiot. That's for a thousand. And I went, but they're not going to, he's like, you don't know, just do it. What's the worst they're going to say? No, he was right. So it's what you're comfortable with. And I wish more people would talk about money. There's an artist that I follow. He goes by Made by James on Instagram. He's a graphic designer. He's British. He's hilarious. And he makes these Instagram videos of like him doing logos or like what he charges or what other artists charge. And it's this stigma that you can't talk about it. If we did talk about it, companies would stop lowballing us. So Mm -hmm. the idea that I want to talk about wages is only better for artists, not for the companies, but not everyone's comfortable with that. And I understand. I understand. So true. I'm so love. I love that you love to talk about money. That's what we do on here too, is how much can you charge? How much do you charge in the beginning? How much can you charge when you're a bit more advanced and all of that? So I totally agree. There are clients that when I first started out at the age I was at, and they're like, you're going to give me that much, but you have to feel it out because they said, look, we can pay you 600 bucks for one of these designs that you would usually get between 1500 and 2000 for. But you're like, I love the project. I love the client. And you're like, you know what? I think I still want to do it. But they said, look, if we do more and it goes well, then the money goes up. Could that be a lie? Sure. But you trust your gut. And if it works, and in the end, you do what you're comfortable with. And for me, that client did, in fact, stick to their word. And the money got really good. So they took a chance on you. So you take a chance on them. It's all emotion and gut and what works with one client doesn't work with another. And the golden rule of never do X, Y, Z. Sometimes you do X, Y, Z. Sometimes you have to do it because the world's funny. Yeah. Another major question that I get quite a bit and that I don't, I'm not really sure how to answer because I've only done very minimal of these, but licensing agreements. Where someone licenses your work from you. So they're, they're commissioning your thing, either something you've already created or something they want you to create. Yeah. And they're wanting to put it on t-shirts and whatnot and products. Like how does your negotiating or contract system work with that versus if it's just a one-off poster? So one, I don't have a lawyer. Two, I do all the stuff on my own. And it's, I'll give you a specific example because I don't really, I haven't done a lot of that. I've done a few of those things. There's a company I work with called Art O Vision, A-R-T, letter O, Vision. They take artwork that either they have the license for, where they get it from like a Star Wars or like a whatever, or they will take art from other artists, not without permission. They contact them first and they say, hey, you did this thing. We want to turn that into these. Do I have any around here anywhere? <laughs> I have one, but it's not my artwork. 
and I don't know how well, how much justice it'll do, but they turn it into this 3D acrylograph. That's what they call it. Or no, that's this specific one. It They call it like this 3D desktop art. You can see it's thick. Okay. So they'll take existing artwork from other artists and they'll turn them into this and we work hand in hand. So, and they also do like uh, wooden frame shadow boxes. Not the point. They make the weenie, whatever it is that they make. It doesn't matter what they make. And they said, hey, we want to take some of your artwork and turn it into this. And I had heard of them before. So at least that gave me the benefit of the doubt of, oh, you're a legitimate company. I've seen your stuff. It's cool. We want to license out your work. And they had a standard contract that they do for everyone. What? And maybe they'll see this and they'll go, Ian, don't give away our secrets or they'll get mad at me. But I don't know, maybe they have multiple contracts that they have for different tiered artists in their mind. Maybe there's the the 15%, the 20%, the 25%, the 50%. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what they offered me, but I will tell you that they offered something that I was comfortable with. And why? Because the artwork was already done. I literally already made the artwork and I thought about it like this. Wait, you're a company who's going to take my artwork with my permission and make new 3D versions of it. And all I have to do is sit on my ass and collect money. Now, maybe someone would want more. Maybe I could have renegotiated. But I will tell you that the percentage that I got, I was comfortable with. And I get every quarter an email from Stuart that says, hey, we sold a bunch of these things. Here's your money of artwork that they already created. Now, I have a good relationship with them where I can email them and go, hey, you know what? This new piece I did would look cool in 3D. You want to make it? It's already done. And I just give it to them and they go, yay or nay. And then I have some of these for display at comic book conventions and I sell them and I make money. So I get a percentage of what they make. In this case, I was open to it because I believed in the product and I didn't have to do much work. It was just, my work was just sitting there. Now there are certain things I can't license out to them because it already is licensed. So Let's take one of my Star Wars posts. They go, hey, we saw this on your website. Can we make, can't do it. I don't own the license, not mine. So that I have to stay away from if I do license work. It's any of the unlicensed or original artwork that I do. And I've had other people reach out. Actually, when I was freelance, Roosevelt licensed out some of my already existing designs. And the compensation was good. It wasn't great. Did they do a percentage of sales or do you do just a set fee? For Roosevelt's, I did a set fee. I don't know if anyone's ever done a percentage of sales. I can tell you that most licensing seems to be, in my experience, a percentage of sales as instead of a flat fee. And I think if they give you the, the option of flat fee or percentage, there are a lot of things to take into consideration. Is this a company that's going to sell? Like, oh, they're offering me like they go, we'll give you $1,000 or we'll give you 25, we'll give you $5,000 to license this out. And you go, yeah, but I think they can make that in a day, in five minutes. So you have to know who your client is. You have to know who they're selling, what they're selling and think, is it worth getting a one-time fee or is it worth the long game and doing a royalty-based? I know Disney does royalty-based and that's awesome. If your piece sells, if yeah. your piece is, that's mass produced, if they say it's going to be mass produced on a large scale and it's on all different things, why shouldn't that sell but doesn't always sell? And so you did all this work. If you do it, if you make the new art then and there, that's even a tougher pill to swallow because you've put all your effort into making this new piece 
with huge grandeur ideas of how much it's going to sell and then it doesn't and then you made $17.50 because the royalties are really low it sucks but that's how it goes i've had maybe 3 or 4 licensing agreements in my professional life so i'm not the best person to ask that for the most part i have this ongoing one with that company artovision and it's awesome i'll just get an email and i'll go ooh money and it's nice it's not a ton of money it's not something i can live off of but maybe if i pursued it more i was more aggressive or i again i wasn't a full-time employee somewhere then maybe that would be the case but for me that's been my experiences with licensing agreements very cool again it's what you're comfortable with yeah yeah and it is it's all just it's up to you it's our art businesses it's just yeah. whatever we want to do okay so i have one last question that we'd like to end with is What's your one piece of advice that you would give yourself or another artist who's listening to this who wants to do exactly what you're doing, but they're just at the very starting point? It's a pipe dream for them. And so they're like, where do I start? My journey is different than your journey is different than their journey. I can give them ideas and I can give someone advice, but I can tell you from my own experience, don't be lazy. And I mean that in all sense of it, put the work in, put the effort in. I'm not the best artist in the world. I was once told in college, I went to art college. I went to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. And I had I went for comic books. That's what I went to do, to draw comic books. But I pivoted because it was tedious, not fun for me. And there were 5,000 of us and five jobs. And that number is even, wasn't even covering it. In one of my classes, I had a someone come in and tell me the most profound advice. True, like I don't mean to be like hyperbolic or hyperbole. This one really stuck in with me. And there are three, there's three attributes that you can have, at least as an artist, this can translate to other mediums as, as well, but you can work fast, you could be really good, and you could be nice. You only need two out of the three of those to succeed. So if you're really fast and you're really nice, it means you're not the best artist, but someone's gonna wanna work with you. If you're really good and you're really fast, that means you're a jerk, but people are gonna wanna work with you because you're so good. If you <laughs> I are, love this. If you are a nice person and really good, you're really slow, but someone will wait for you. Yeah. So if you have any of the two of those, make sure you want three out of three, but make sure you have two out of three and you'll probably do pretty good. As far as my path specifically, work your ass off. Draw a lot, whatever that medium is, painting, drawing, digital, just I don't have enough knowledge. I'm very focused on the things that I like. Maybe I could have learned more mediums. Maybe that would have made me a better artist. Maybe that would have made me better at what I do in all different types of mediums. But you can always learn more. Ask for constructive criticism, for real criticism. Not like, oh, that's nice, hanging on the fridge. Ask for real. Don't ask your mother. Don't ask your... Ask other artists. Put stuff online. I know social media is tricky. I'm not the best. I love to post online, but I don't get the reaction that I always want. Each medium works differently for others. I refuse to take videos of me drawing and doing all that. Like I just post the pictures of my new work and some occasional videos, but like I can't keep up with the algorithms and all that. It's really tough. And it seems like if you don't have that audience now, you may have to succumb to those weird algorithm rules of post a video that's this long or post something that shows this or that and you'll get, but likes don't equal money. 
They don't equal you getting a job. And it's super hard to not get deflated when you pour so much energy and effort into a piece or pieces and it doesn't get a lot of likes or it didn't find the audience that it should have found when you originally posted it. You have to rely on social media for better or worse. You need a website. I know people are big into newsletters now because you can't control the algorithm and whoever owns Twitter or whoever owns Instagram and what they're going to do to it next week or TikTok or whatever. So always have something you can fall back on. There's the movie Funny People, the Judd Apatow movie with Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler came out, whatever, 15, 10, 15 years ago. And there was a line in it that was so awesome and I'll never forget it. And I don't know if you're, you or the viewers are familiar with the movie, but Seth Rogen doesn't have a job and he ends up getting a job with the Adam Sandler's character who's very famous. And he's like, come help write jokes for me. I'm a stand-up comedian. He says, okay, I'll do that. He says, all right. Adam Sandler says to Seth Rogen, what's your email address? And his email address was like, ballsucker69xx at yahoo.com. And the first thing Adam Sandler's character, George Shimon, says to him is he goes, that's funny. No, what's your email address? He goes, no, that's my email address. He goes, okay, first things first, get a new email address. Make a real one. Have a real email address. It doesn't have to be your name, but don't make it something that you made on AOL 30 years ago or on Yahoo or whatever it is. Just like a normal email address that when someone reads it, isn't going to go, this is the person we're hiring. Okay, that's not next. You literally could get bypassed because your email address is stupid. Have an email address, have a good one, have a website so you can always fall back on it. You don't need to know anything about HTML or I don't know any of that stuff. And I have a website that shows all my stuff. So have all that stuff to fall back on. So if someone says, where can I see your work? Oh, go to my Twitter, go to my Instagram. Maybe Instagram's okay, but my Instagram, it shows my artwork. It shows silly things. It shows pictures of cats. It like, it shows who I am, but I'm 41. Like I've had a minute to get there. Have a website where it's strictly professional and shows exactly what it's supposed to be. That's my advice. Just have two out of those three attributes. Be fast, be good, be nice. Have two out of the three, at least maybe three out of three doesn't hurt. And just work your ass off. There's no shortcut. Just draw what you love. Don't let people tell you not to use reference. I know that's a big thing. Don't do fan art. Don't do what makes you happy. If you're not having fun painting, drawing, whatever the subject matter is, your audience will know it. I learned that in drawing comics. If you're bored, your reader will be bored too. So have fun with what you're doing. It's not always going to be fun. I I'm doing it for a while, so I get to do the fun things. You don't always get to do the fun things, and it stinks, but try and make it fun no matter what you're doing. And just work your ass off and be a nice person. Reply to emails. Reply to emails. Yeah, the easy stuff, I guess. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being so honest with us. We appreciate this, and I appreciate your time. So thank you so much for being our guest. Be organized. I'm organized. And one last thing, I promise. Your tools don't make you who you are. I use a PC. I don't own any Apple products. I use a Windows machine that if I could, I would still be on Windows 7 because it doesn't matter. Yeah, so I use Adobe Photoshop. I use Adobe Illustrator. I use a, a Wacom Cintiq, the big drawing. There it is. But you don't need a Mac. You don't need the best of the best. You just need what you're comfortable with. And all the fancy brushes in the world don't hide what you don't know how to draw. Yep, so true. <laughs> you gotta you gotta put in the time. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. If you like this kind of business talk with tips to help you attract customers, actually get sales, and all the back-end business quote secrets, I want to encourage you to join our Artist Academy Advanced membership. I have a ton of art and business content for you to learn everything you need to start and grow your art business. I've never done this before. But for the holiday season, I'm offering a completely free trial for the entire month of December. So join and not pay one single anything until January 1st. I'm offering this because I know how hectic the holiday season is for everyone. We all have enough on our plate as it is, but I also know that I have a ton of fourth quarter sales strategies within the membership that will help you make even more sales during the Christmas season. So join the membership for free this month, then kick off the start of the year with a bang with our art challenges and all new painting tutorials and all the things that are coming in January. And if you want to cancel before January 1 and only absorb the December free content, you totally can. <laughs> there are absolutely no minimums to join or leave at any time. Stay or leave when you're ready. I'm also offering a completely free month because I'm confident in my product. I know that when people join, they stay for six months to a year and grow their art business with us in the community for that amount of time. And it's so fun to see people start off, especially in January with that fire and they watch the tutorials and they put things in action and they have this community backing them to talk pricing and strategy and all the things. And it really helps. And I've seen it because it'll be five years this spring that I've had the membership going and five years of watching artists grow. I was thinking this year, I'm like, heck, I'll just give a whole free month because why not? You can go to artistacademy.co. There's a link here. It's not .com because to buy the .com was just insanely expensive. Somebody bought it up a long time ago and they're wanting thousands and thousands of dollars for it. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do artistacademy.co. So if you go to artistacademy.co or just click the link in this podcast description, you can join us for a whole free month of December. I'll see you inside of the Academy and next week for another episode of the Artist Academy podcast.